you don't see a lot of research as to how much time it takes to turn around a bad culture. But from our interviews and our research and studies, it takes six to 18 months, six to 18 months of dedicated effort from the top on down to actually turn that around. Welcome to another episode of Leading Matters. I love, love doing this show. I hope you guys get as much value out of it as I do from producing the show because it's just such a, a great privilege to be able to talk to some brilliant leaders to gain their insight into these things, into the matters that impact our leadership, that impact our workforce, our mission, our purpose, and our, our values. And, and, and they really make such a significant difference. And it's a great opportunity today for me to bring to you David New. He was the CEO of Tiny Pulse. Uh, go check Tiny Pulse out. You can find them at tinypulse.com. They do. I, I had uh, Kevin DeCowan, who is their marketing officer, uh, last year. And I've kept in touch with Kevin and tried to get David on the show a couple of times. And finally, through Kevin's help, I was able to get him on. Recorded it a couple of months ago, so um, I'm happy to share it with you today. And I think the timing is right because what you're going to find is, listen, we're almost uh, halfway through the year, almost exactly. And it's about this time of year when we start to plan for the remainder and we start to look towards the following year even. Matter of fact, toward the end of the summer, a lot of companies that are on a calendar fiscal year start to do their planning. Why does that matter? Because talent is critical, critical element in how we plan. And Tani Pulse has dedicated their entire uh, existence into improving the way that a company is able to delight their employees, delight their customers, and gain more uh, engagement from the workforce in a way that is purposely driven. And there's no other way to articulate it. I mean, that's that's how passionate David is about what they're doing. That's how committed he is to make a difference in uh, the business world today, to change things like the dreaded employee review and turn it into something that's um, a valuable experience for not just the employee, but for the employer and indeed the customers of who we serve. They're doing some incredible things. Again, go check them out at tinypulse.com. And I think about halfway through this interview, um, David gets to a point where he talks about a very specific example of a woman he met, uh, ran an agency, and they had a bit of a, a bad uh, partnership breakup uh, with the, her partner. And she was forced to take a look at the culture and reinvent it. And at that point in this interview, I think it really gains a lot of um, experiential credibility if you will say well you could apply it yourself so so you keep an ear out for that i think you're going to like that example but i know you're going to enjoy the entire episode with my guest today david new the ceo of tiny pulse david new is a passionate and serial entrepreneur he's an angel investor and founder of tiny hr uh, his story of the journey that led him to found his company is really a really compelling one. Uh, several years ago, he sold literally everything, stuffed everything else in storage, and bought one-way tickets for himself, his wife Alice, his 10-month-old baby daughter Kira, on what he called a uh, careercation, I think he calls it. And really, the journey took him to many new places like New Zealand, Seoul. Along the way, he interviewed entrepreneurs from around the world on best practices, pain points when it came to people management, culture, leadership all topics we talk about here on Leading Matters. And he ended up interviewing a diverse set of leaders from the winemaker in Auckland to the fruit trader in Shanghai to the financial consultant in Seoul. And he blogged about it all along the way. Now, the long and short of it is that these conversations led to the birth of 
Tiny HR and now Tidy Pulse, the, the main product from them. And the goal, uh, really, to give leaders a pulse on just how happy or burnout, maybe frustrated their employees might be, so that they can build bridges to spark dialogue for positive change within the company, and indeed in the lives of the people that work for that company. So the mission, very easy, make employees happier. David and Tiny Pulse believe that happiness really improves the retention of employees. It improves customer service, employee engagement, and on and on and on. He's a Berkeley alum. He received his MBA right here in the Philadelphia area at the Wharton School of Business. He studied at Beijing University. He's co-founded a couple of other companies, including Buddy TV, as well as Net Conversions, which he sold in 2004. And I got to tell you, I've seen him speak. It's, he's compelling. His positive nature is infectious, and, and I am absolutely thrilled to have him on the show. So, David, before we jump into the details, thank you so much for joining me today on Leading Matters. Joel, it's a complete pleasure. I'm excited to get started. Great. So, listen, let's go ahead and jump right into it because I'm such a fan of what Tiny Pulse does. So, I take it for granted that I'm aware of what you do, but I realize that there's many in my audience that this might be the first time they've heard the words Tiny Pulse together. So, uh, for the benefit of my audience, can you kind of describe what Tiny Pulse is all about and how you achieve the mission of making employees happier? Yeah, so um, you had mentioned in the intro about where I took that career vacation or career vacation for short. I interviewed over 35 CEOs. At the end of every interview, I'd ask them one simple question. I'd say, well, what's one thing when it comes to managing people or culture that you have a serious pain point around that if I took away, you gladly pay for? And the number one answer was that haunting feeling when they got the two weeks notice out of the blue from a key employee. So you're right, that became the inspiration for Tiny Pulse and that's the pain that we want to solve on a daily basis. And we do that by taking that annual employee engagement survey that we've all taken with 50 questions, we trudge through it, we press submit, poof, and then we have no idea what happens. So we flip that on its head by dripping out lightweight questions throughout the year, only one question at a time, hence the word tiny, our brand promise, and it's all anonymous. And then the leaders are able to go in and see how their people are doing because the company changes more than once a year, the people change more than once a year, the competition changes, and then they're able to understand, well, how are my people feeling, where are my blind spots, and where can I be much more proactive about issues before they spin out of control and become toxic in my work environment. So let, let's, let's talk about the toxicity, if you will, of, of an unhappy workforce, right? There's so much digital ink given today to employee engagement. But, you know, when I dive into a lot of those articles, they, they seem to just scratch the surface. Do you think that part of the approach here is to really dive a little bit deeper into what employee engagement really means for the individual and, and how they connect themselves to the mission of the company? Yeah, so uh, I, I, I definitely think so. And I think it goes both ways is... One is I think companies and organizations have to be much more proactive about sharing you know, their vision, mission, and values so that people can self-select, well, you know, that's something I can really get behind. And we've been really definitely noticing a trend at our own company and at others uh, that I end up talking to. But once they're in the company, and that's the second stage, I think it, it is very important for their manager um, or the individual to be an advocate for themselves and they, for them to come together and discuss well, you know, what are the things that, you know, I want to get out of my career path and to have those honest conversations, you know, Tiny Pulse is one outlet for that, but it doesn't replace um, those one-on-ones on that happen on a frequent basis or those open door conversations that may happen as well. Does the, you know, the advent of, of actually having a, a mechanism to kind of 
sharing the, the emotional side of our, of our thoughts and feelings about what we're doing on a day-to-day -day actually kind of inject more life into those conversations or actually make them happen? I mean, has that been your experience with your customer base? Yeah, you know, I think um, what we're seeing uh, with our customer base is, is twofold. Is one, definitely it adds more context to what's happening to, at the day-to-day -day level um, at an organization. And then two, is for some organizations who aren't used to these healthy habits of having another outlet to uh, share what's going on, that some of the employees, once they first get this outlet, um, you know, a lot of stuff comes up because no one's ever asked them. So uh, it can be very overwhelming for the leadership when they get all this uh, information. Some of it's kind of tough to swallow. Sure. And so that they, they start flailing. And I think one of the things uh, that we've been noticing that we try to coach our, um, our clients about is, you know, if you haven't had this um, muscle rhythm in your organization to date, then when you roll that out, you also have to have some rules of engagement about, well, what, what are constructive ways of uh, leveraging Tiny Pulse? Yes, we want to hear the tough feedback, but there's also ways in which to give the tough feedback. For example, if you think that one process is broken, instead of just lamenting that it's broken, give a suggestion because you've probably been thinking about, well, this is so silly that we do it this way. Why don't we do it a different way? Well, help us help you by giving us a couple of those suggestions to start that positive dialogue. You know, that I, that's interesting because it sounds to me as you're describing it that it almost takes the teeth out of the, you know, the cynical kind of uh, water cooler banter that every company experiences. It's like, oh, why did leader X do X, Y, and Z? So it's almost like, well, well gee, you know, it, why don't you participate in that and offer some, some ideas or suggestions? I mean, is that, do you, do you think that's accurate that just by the nature of, of providing employees a platform to contribute their ideas that it takes the teeth out of our, our would-be cynicism? Yeah, you know, I, I do think it, it does take some of that teeth out of that cynicism and it, because it's giving them an outlet. So it's not building up, building up, and then it kind of has that volcano effect at the end. Is you're, you're trying to, you know, most of our clients, they will have weekly all-hands or town hall meetings every uh, two, three, or four weeks. And so they, they discuss some of the outcomes of Tiny Pulse, and they have an open forum. So I do think by letting people... Um, vent or you know share things that they're that's on their mind on an ongoing basis versus bottling it up definitely has a, a, a meaningful healthy effect on the company and the conversations that happen. So David, I want to kind of take a, a turn towards talent development just just a bit, right? Because I know from experience with Tiny Pulse, and I know that part of your interview process and the way you you actually source candidates for your jobs is you make it clear that we want people to reflect our values. You spell your values out very clearly on your job descriptions. You even ask for uh, your applicants to provide examples, specific examples that align to your values. Now that, that's a conscious decision that Tiny Pulse has made. But my question is, it seems like a good thing to do, obviously, but inherent in the feedback that I get as I'm using kind of a, a, a more accurate and frequent uh, pulse, if you will, you know, for Tiny Pulse on my company, will that help us get to the point where we could actually develop talent in that context? So I think um, in terms of like, if you're thinking about helping develop the talent base, you're probably going to be able to get broad themes from the different groups in the organization, like marketing may want certain types of uh, training or coaching, or um, the salespeople might need a sales trainer to help you know, close a deal. They're, they may be good at opening, but uh, maybe dip, they are having challenges around closing the deal. So I think you're going to get those broad-based things uh, from folks. And then, but at the, at the core, each individual will probably have individualized talent needs and development 
arc that they want to go through. So then I think that comes down to more of that one-on-one conversation that dovetails very nicely into you know the more anonymous-based uh, conversations that you have on Tiny Pulse. I see. I see. And and. I'm curious, have you seen, have your customers reported, again, what I love about the approach here is that it's, it seems very natural to me as far as the ebb and flow of the feedback, there's obviously higher consistency, it takes into consideration current uh, climate and whatnot, but one thing I'm always curious about is, is do your, your clients and customers report an improvement in, in how they view their employment brand? I mean, is that part of the value of what you're doing here? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think um, you know when you think about employment brand, you know the the, the company that kind of gets uh, thrown around a lot right these days is Glassdoor, right? For better or for worse, Glassdoor is here to stay, and it's just going to become uh, probably more well known sure. and more pervasive. Sure. And then I was in a I was on a panel talking of giving a speech on millennials, and I asked them. Uh, there was four people on the panel, and there uh, three of them were millennials, and I asked them. Uh, when you look for a job, uh, where, where do you go? And, well, and they're talking about the process. And then two of them just uh, voluntarily said, oh, yes, and we checked Glassdoor. And so I think about that brand, uh, it, it just becomes so important now. And then to be able to, I tell a lot of our clients is that you want to have these internal conversations and you want to have an opportunity to hopefully address some of these before you get that two weeks notice or before it hits Glassdoor because you know if you hire the right people they probably want to give you the opportunity to address some of these issues collectively mm-hmm. and and you know if you don't have a process in place you have know, the, the ways that they're going to vent is going to be hitting Glassdoor or posting something negative or you know just walking out the door interesting so it's all, that's pretty interesting so it's almost like the way you describe it it's almost like a uh, control valve on the on the temperature of your employees so uh, I never really heard it described that way. I like that. Should should your should we like the collective we be focused on Glassdoor as far as uh, an accurate representation of what would be employees see as our employment brand, or is it maybe uh, noise? Yeah, you know, I think it's the truth. Probably in the middle. Um, I I do think that you know Glassdoor gets you know a negative reputation sometimes because um, when people feel negative about their organization, they go post it on Glassdoor, and so probably. You know, um, you know, the temperature reading that you get from Glassdoor is probably going to be inaccurate from the reality of how that company is actually doing. But uh, should leaders monitor it? Absolutely. And uh, should they respond to some of the feedback? I know an uh, entrepreneur here in town, Spencer Raskoff of Zillow, you know, he'll monitor it and he'll go in and he'll comment on, on some of the feedback that he sees um, in Glassdoor. So and I think that's a, probably a prudent middle road approach. Um, because I think ignoring it is definitely not the right thing to do is to, number one, be aware of what people are saying about the business and then uh, being selectively engaging with the comments that are coming out, especially if you really vehemently don't, uh, if you disagree with the comments that you're seeing out there. Sure, sure. You know, as you're, you're speaking about the Zillow CEO kind of getting on there and, and being actively responsible, I want to share with you uh, my favorite glass door story. So I was talking to a, a would-be client and they had a scathing review from a current employee on Glassdoor and the review mostly was all about how leadership is incredibly passive-aggressive, right? So this company then responds to that 
by surveying all the employees about how they felt by this negative review, and they posted it to Glassdoor. So it was just really comical because it was like if it was the, the quintessential demonstration of passive aggression in response to this you know, complaint about passive aggressive nature. You know? <laughs> so that's my favorite one. I use that one a lot. Uh, so listen, but it, hidden in that discussion is actually a, um, a question, and that's about our values. You know, I, I mentioned earlier mm -hmm. that you guys really stick hard and fast to your values. But I, I see so many that values for them are nothing more than the, the placard on the wall or the, the tagline at the end of their email signature. You know, give us some real tangible, you know, how, how do we translate the placards into action? I mean, what's the one or two things that these listeners could take away saying, okay, here's what I'm going to do to go look at my values and, and try to make them real. What's the one or two things they need to do there? Yeah. So um, first of all, Joel, I have to admit I'm guilty as well. Uh, when I started my first company, me and my co-founder, um, you know, we came together. We we said, well, you know, this is our first company, but everyone says we should have vision, mission, and values. So let's you know have a few beers and let's outline what our vision, mission, and values are. <laughs> sure. And then we uh, you know had some placards in the break room wall, and that was it. If you put me on the spot and you said, David, what's your values? I would have no idea. So. Um, then when I went on my career occasion, I started interviewing people, um, you know, they gave me some phenomenal ideas about how to bring it to life and their experiences with, um, with culture and values. And I want to share a couple of those to your, to your question is first, it starts from the top, right? And my, uh, fellow entrepreneur by, by the name of James Wong, he says like, whenever a uh, entrepreneur or someone starts at a new role, you know, culture there is like buying a house with a yard. You have a choice. You know, if you, do, you don't plan to water that uh, the grass, you know, it's still going to grow. It's going to get brown. But if you want to have roses, you have to find the, you know, the right temperature or the right flowers that actually will thrive there. Um, because sooner or later, it's still going to grow regardless if you're going to focus on it or not. So why not be very intentional about it? So the first thing is it starts at the top that the leader has to, if they have a great culture, he or she can pat themselves on the back for a little bit. Uh, but it's organic, and you always have to keep watering it, fertilizing, and tending to it. And then if they have a bad culture, well, it's also at the top, even if you got injected. But you have a choice. You can actually fix a bad culture. Um, you know, you don't see a lot of research as to how much time it takes to turn around a bad culture. But from our interviews and our research and studies, it takes 6 to 18 months, 6 to 18 months of dedicated effort from the top on down to actually turn that around. Wow. So that's the first thing is it starts with the top. And then second is how do you uh, enforce values? So one of the, the kind of the plain truths is not everyone is going to self-identify with those company values, especially if you come from the outside and then all of a sudden you said, well, uh, we're going to have some new company values. Well, it's not really fair to the people who came when there was no values or they thought the values are different. So I think there's an opportunity to have a process. You know, I learned this from an entrepreneur, Andrea Culligan in Sydney when I interviewed her. And they had a, she and her co-founder had a really bad split. And then she said, she got everyone, all her, she was an agency, got all her uh, people in a room and said, look, we all know that our culture sucks. But my goal is that I'm going to turn this culture around. And you guys have a choice. Um, you know, if you want to come with me, come along with me on this journey or not. And I don't begrudge you if you don't. But once we codify the culture, everyone's going to row in the same direction, and that's going to be non-negotiable. But right now, if you don't want to be on that journey, you have a choice. And so I learned a lot from her in terms of like codifying the values, 
really living it. You know, they actually role play values. I'm like, what does that even mean, right? That makes a lot <laughs> sure. of sense, right? Yeah. Like you, like a football team, before they take the field, you know, they'll practice their plays over and over again. She's like, well, that's what we do. I'm like, well, what's an example? An example is their first cultural value was to have great fun, but their one of the um, their suppliers because they did a lot of marketing materials was a low cost provider by more than ten percent, but they were curmudgeons and no one liked working with them. Mm. So. She said, well, based on our values, what should we do? And a couple of people meekly said, should we fire them and switch vendors? And you know, not knowing if that was the right answer, she's like, are you having great fun? If the answer is no, yes, huh. let's fire them. And that was a big, bold stand that she took. This is basically essentially eats into her bottom line, but that she said, you know, stood for her values. And then that helped really transcend and let people know that, you know, Hopefully, if everyone's sequestered in a different room, they ask them about the same situation, everyone will act accordingly because now they have some guidelines as to how to live out their values. So, you know, so some of the, the top things is, you know, start from the top and then you've got to live it and breathe it on an ongoing basis. Give recognition based upon it. Have your reviews based upon it. Interview based upon it as well. So those are the things that really um, bring it to life. Wow. That, that's, that's a compelling story. I think... I, what I love about that is the action and the empowerment, right? Because it, it seems, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, right? But it seems to me that a big piece of that puzzle is that it, it can't be just a top-down. It's got to be an, an empowering, collaborative exercise. And then, and then tangible, right? And the actual tactics in the day-to-day. -day. I mean, is that a fair read? Yes. I mean, I mean, the culture is not just you know a, a bunch of men or women in a room. It's got to uh, be pervasive throughout the organization, and you know it also touches you know the clients, the suppliers, you know other partners that we end up working with, and then they should have a kind of a, a feel as to you know what our culture is like. You know, our first value at Tiny Pulse is delight customers, right? And I say that you know if you're in a good mood. That person on the other side can read that email and they can feel that. You know, I don't know why, but I, I do yeah. believe that, right? Yeah. But it's not just delighting external customers. You also have to delight internal customers. And people are like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, you know when you've asked someone in marketing or someone in development to do a project for you, you know, sometimes there's certainly. I'm like, that doesn't fly here. You gotta be if you can't delight internally, there's no way you can even delight externally as well. David, you know you know what I find most interesting about you know, companies like yours is that I spent some time in big ERP and to me it seems that what's happening right now is that technology is, is you know we've used technology in the past to manage the necessities of simply having a workforce but mm -hmm. it seems to me that we're on the cusp of a huge disruption here to not just manage the necessities of having a workforce but actually investing in that workforce to make what you do better, more profitable, more uh, accessible, uh, more tangible, and emo even emotional to a point. I mean, again, <laughs> that's kind of how I'm seeing it develop here. Do you think that this is what we're seeing happening in the category of HR software solutions? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Uh, is I, I think uh, you know your theme about investing in the workforce is so important because things uh, change so quickly. Now, my um, uh, one of my pieces is that the HR kind of solution marketplace, you know, there's, and, and the practitioners behind that, there's going to be kind of like two main buckets, if you will. One is around the nuts and bolts, you know, are, are people getting hired, are they, you know, getting their PTO tracked and all that other stuff. But I think there's going to be another track, and it's going to be around the inspiration, 
right? Like people can go anywhere, plug and play into these technology solutions. But it's really about, you know, how do I inspire people? And when they reach their goals, I am lucky enough as a company to go along for that ride. And I think, um, you know, that's something, you know, HR, um, you know, does uh, for better or for worse has gotten a tough rap in the past. And it's really a lot about compliance, what you can't cannot do yes. to keep the company out of trouble. Yeah. Now it's like, well, what can you do beyond what you even thought you were able to? And then you can take the company to new heights. Yeah, you know, it almost seems to me, it, it reminds me a bit, and I'm dating myself a little bit, but I remember when the, the CIO was scrambling for a seat at the leadership table, right? But it almost yeah. seems like the, the chief human resource officer is in that kind of a similar position where they have a much greater impact to the success of the company than they ever have before. Is that, is that too exaggerated or is that accurate? Mm -hmm. No, I think that's accurate. I, I mean, and, and the continuation of my thesis is that I believe that you know the, the chief people officer or chief CH, CHRO or chief culture officer, whatever you want to call that, him or her, I think that has to be the CEO, him or herself. And if not, uh -huh. I think that the next the the um, uh, you know if you had all the C levels, you know the first of the equals will will be the CHRO or chief people officer because he or she will impact the company more dramatically than anyone else will. But then they have to be of the ilk of being able to blend the inspirational part with the compliance part because you need the compliance, but it's really about this new generation of ins inspirational uh, CHROs out there. Wow, that's great. No, I, I love that. I'm, I'm interested to see how it kind of evolves. But listen, I, I want to pivot uh, quickly here to, to learn about your new enhancement where performance reviews are concerned because it's always been an area that, look, as a manager, I dreaded having to go through the performance review. I know my employees and my team did. You know, as one who had to submit to a 360 degree review every year, it was mm -hmm. it was cumbersome. You looked for the best people to ask, so you had a good review rather yeah. than the best feedback, right? So, talk to me about what you're doing with performance reviews and where you see it headed. Yeah. So, um, you know, so we keep um, really closely co close collaboration tabs with our clients, and the number one biggest uh, <clears throat> request from our clients is. They would say, you know, we love how Tiny Pulse reimagined the annual employee survey. Can you reimagine the performance review cycle? And so, and you know, like you said, Joel, you know, the performance reviews are, you know, up there with like, you know, thinking about if you did word association, it'd be like dentists and taxes, right? No one likes doing it. <laughs> avoid it. So, you know, I think it's, you know, it's rife with issues around it's, you know, it's time consuming. Your data is siloed. It's in your brain. It's in your notes. It's in uh, your emails. It's not transparent, um, and you have recency bias. What happened in Q4 is much more top of mind than Q1, and you have surprises. And the, you know, the part, the main thing that I also dislike is it's about review. So you're looking in the rearview mirror versus looking out the windshield. Where you know what's in the past is in the past, and we should be thinking about how to coach and how to elevate their game so that you know mm -hmm. it takes the company to new levels. So you know, with all those in mind. Is you know we just saw so much pain. Is like well let's take let's think about in a new world with more consumer applications and our philosophy and our tiny approach to building product. Not every client is going to be right for our new tiny pulse perform product. But you know we've already had hundreds of our current clients who raised their hands who said you know this is so painful you know and I trust what you guys are building. So you know it's just something that we launched last last month that we're making rapid innovations about it. But I know that. From the people I talk to, including just our leadership team, you know, it's made me a better leader because it forces me to focus on the things that are really going to drive the business. Because sometimes when I have my one-on-ones, I tend to get a little scattershot, not because I want to be scattershot, but I just didn't have a great tool or framework to keep me focused um, on the, the things that will really drive the business. 
Sure, no, that makes sense. Has the reception been positive from the, the clients that and the customers that where it is a good fit? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been extremely positive. Um, you know, people are seeing high engagement rates. I mean, you know, you know, no one says that they look forward to engaging with an HR solution, much less an HR one that's focused <laughs> sure. on reviews, right? Like, yeah. but you know, we're seeing uh, extremely high engagement rates and a constant flow of feedback on can you do this, can you do that. So I know that they're invested uh, in the solution, and they want, you know, they're just yearning for something better than. Microsoft Word or having you know a scratch pad to do reviews. That's great, and you, you know what, David? I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna leave right there because I think that this entire conversation has been a very exemplary of, of why I love the work you're doing and the impact. Uh, one last thing before I wrap it up here, I know that uh, Tony Pulse uh, works as a, a, you know people can kind of check it out on a trial subscription basis. So if I'm listening out there and I'm really want to figure out if this is going to work for me and my team, what what, what should they do to get started? Yeah, so um, you know, I would say first of all, uh, let me qualify why you shouldn't do tiny polls. You should not do tiny polls if, if you're not a leader committed to change. You shouldn't do it if you're going to be afraid of sharing the anonymous feedback back with your team. And you shouldn't do tiny polls if you're not going to do something with the feedback that you actually get. Because we've all been taken surveys and nothing happened, and it's actually a worst case scenario. So if you check off that you're committed to those three things and you're going to do change and share it back and actually take action is that, yeah, you can just go to tinypulse.com, sign up for a free trial of Engage, and then send a, a survey to your team, and then very quickly, you'll hit refresh on your screen. Like, I'll talk to clients, and they'll say, well, how long does it take? I said, well, let's go downstairs and get a cup of coffee at Starbucks, because there's a, a Starbucks in every corner here in Seattle, and we'll come back, and you hit refresh, because you have enough people, and you'll just start seeing data flow into the system that will give you better visibility into the nooks and crannies of your culture that you might not know about. But um, you know, so it's really easy to sign up for a free trial to see if it's a great fit for you and your organization. But at the same time, I did want to put those uh, disclaimers out there that it is not going to be the right fit for everyone. They have to be very thoughtful before uh, moving forward. Very good. I think that's perfect. And, and listen, if you fall within those that criteria, go ahead and visit tinypulse.com today and, and check that out. They, By the way, they produce a ton of content as well. I think you're going to find some great information on their site. Uh, great data as well. So listen, we've been speaking with David New, again, the founder of Tiny Pulse. You can find them at tinypulse.com. And I think you'll agree with me that after listening to him talk, this is why we had him on the show. He's an incredible thought leader in this space and, and actually putting that thought into action. And listen, if nothing else, take a page out of his book and go figure out if your values are simply those placards on a wall or if you're leading by example from the top down to engage your employees around those values. David, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate the perspective and all the great insight. Uh, th thank you. It's been a great, great sharing with you and your audience.